Mm. Your captain looks good. Mm. So what's uh, fictional characters? Well, it's funny you should mention that, but none of these characters are actually fictional. They are actually present in the room. Um, today we actually have a rare, a rare visit from from Mahatma Gandhi. Um, he's come back from the dead to to just say hello. Uh, Mahatma, tell me, what was the comment you paid you made when you said a person goes to sleep at night? Can you can you repeat it for us, please? Do you mind if I call you Hattie? Oh no, that's okay. Tell me, what did you say when a person goes to sleep at night? Oh, I always used to tell you know that when a button goes to sleep at night and then you wake up in the morning, it's almost as if when he went to sleep at night, he died. And then you wake up in the morning, it's almost as if he, have a, he has a new life, you know? Wow, Mahatma, that's, that's a really profound thing to say. You know, I think the Jewish pr- tradition kind of preceded you. Oh, tell me about that, you know? Well, the Jewish tradition says that when a person wakes up in the morning, he should say, Moidani lefonecho. Oh, golly, 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 gosh, man, that's mind-boggling. But what are those words mean, eh? Well, I'm glad you asked that. It starts with the words, now you think about this, Matt, oh yes, think about the fact that you wake up in the morning, you open your eyes. What would be the... Are we on here? Uh, no, Rabbi is giving his share in his normal place. Okay, sorry. See you 1.30. Yes. Well, I'm going to grab lunch and then... Whenever. Okay. is good for you. Well, I'll bring it in here. Yeah, that's great. Okay. Um, hi, hi. Back to you, Matma. Okay, I'm here. Um, so, when you say, you open, you open up your eyes in the morning and you say, it's quite a, quite a, quite a way to open up your eyes. Or, tell me what that means already, you know. Easy, man. I thought you like were great at spinning wheels and stuff. Oh, come on, man. <laughs> so, when you wake up in the morning, you say, which is a, a, an admission. A, admission that your life is a, did I ask you to come in at this time? Yes. Do you not realize that there's a fixed time when this lesson begins, sir? Sorry. Could you make it an effort, please, from now onwards, to turn up time? And if you do not, there's a principle in this establishment. His name's Rabbi Shula. I don't want to have to be the one that sends you to him. Only joking, it's all good. But isn't that like a classic English tool, schoolmaster talk? Like, do you remember, like, do you like, like trauma from like those kind of comments? Yeah. I do. It brings back bad memories. Bad memories. <laughs> <laughs> um, can you guys get on with us? I'm getting impatient. Okay, sorry. So we have today in the room, Daniel, as you can see, we have Mahatma Gandhi, he's joined us, and he said a really profound thing. What did you say again, Matt? Oh, it's like when you go to sleep at night, it's like you die, and when you wake up in the morning, it's like you're reborn. So he said that, and we kind of took it one step further with Maidani Lefonejo. And remember that the global purpose of our share is to kind of explore this relationship between um, between the body and the soul and how they interact that's the kind of the global in and out was our global our global topic of discussion that we're involved in over here correct so when you wake up in the morning you say now think about it the act of waking up in the morning is a profound shift in state of consciousness previously you were under self-induced anesthetic you lost the usage of many of your cognitive functions and your limbs and you're subdued granted by by a process which is so familiar to us that we call it sleep but really you're put under some type of physically common anesthetic 
And to a certain degree, you did stop living in the fullest sense of the word. You stopped living. So now, how do you process the transition stage from a state of less life to a state of more life? Now, the way most people process that is with a grumpy, shut up, comment to the alarm clock. (laughs) However, there's a whole different way of approaching that. Imagine if you could be have the cognition, cognizance, the das, Everbach, the das, the, the, the internal awareness of the process, that at that moment, as your eyes open, you go, whoa, new life. But it doesn't stop there. Not only, Joey, 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 do you have a cognizance of new life. Then you start to trace the source of the life back to the creator that grants it to you you're already in those first moments of wakefulness engaged in a relationship maya with your creator Alec. and not only that you're not only relating to creator but the deep cognizance of the daily gift of life but then you're relating to the Melech you're relating to the nature of the Creator and His capacity of absolute control over the entire universe from the most far-flung planet to the tiniest molecule it's all under His control Melech Chai V'Kayom and if I'm alive say you as you continue in this coming out of the cocoon of sleep if I'm alive and you gave me the life you're not only a king with absolute control but you're chai alive a kayam and always will be and I thank you Sheikh Zarta B Nishmasi that you've returned my soul that you've returned my soul so from this cognizance you trace the origin of life back to the creator and then you affirm the essential component of your very own identity Nishmasi my soul my soul so you automatically shift to the innermost dimension of yourself and you relate your soul to your capacity to be fully alive and engage in the world around you and then after this entire process of deep, thoughtful processing of such a fundamental change from sleep to wakefulness, you say, Shechezar to bi nishmasi bechemlo. That not only did you return my soul, because the process is no, it's not automatic. Because as you said, Mahatma, what did you say again? I said when you go to sleep, you die, and when you wake up, you are already born. Exactly. When you go to sleep, you die, and when you wake up, you are reborn. Your soul is returned to you. It's returned to you. It's new. It's fresh. It's engaging. And that return comes from love, the Chemla. And more than that, Rabbe Munosecho. And I can trust you. In other words, how do we deal with the fact that, but I woke up yesterday and the day before as well? Is that because it's inevitable? No, it's because of your because of your faithfulness. 
I can trust you. So you take the experience of repetition and instead of writing it down to taking things for granted and by rote, you in fact understand it to be a consistency that the Creator cares consistently for you. Don't worry. Don't worry. So now, Mahatma, do you see that we really took your little comment way, way further? Oh, I get it completely. Thank you very much. I really appreciate it. I'm going to have to go now. Okay. Okay. Thanks, Mahatma. Off you go. Off he's gone. I think that's, that's yeah, that was really nice of him to pop in. But I think the point came across very clearly. What, an, what a fascinating way of transitioning from sleep to wakefulness. I mean, again, it relates to the overall topic that we're talking about, that if you see things on the superficial, so you're left with a really impoverished life. Yet when you when you strive to the depths of what things are, so you experience new dimensions which are so deeply enriching. I mean, it could be that until this day you never knew what waking up was all about. Amazing, no? Now the thing is that we have these sharing on a regular basis, and many people miss this year. Could be they'll go a lifetime without ever knowing what waking up is about. And every day in the shirim for the next two weeks and beyond that, <laughs> ideas like this will be shared. Woe to those. <laughs> <laughs> and there he goes. Woe to those that have, oh, other, to miss out on the have uh, other priorities in life. I mean, I'm not saying they're not important after all. After all, I mean, I'm sure there's certain things which are far more important than a deeply fulfilling life, which brings to eternity. I'm sure there's lots of stuff that's more important than that. <laughs> um, good? Great. So that's Moidiani. Now, the question is like this. Let's speak practically. Practically, you see that from, from the most... The, 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 the most initial point in our day, we have to have a certain focus, Isaacs. Go, I want to hear your question. What would you say to the person who has some type of uh, disease or difficulty that makes life very difficult, that when they wake up in the morning, they're not so thankful to wake up in the morning? They'd rather not be here. It's a great question. And it's a question which leads on to a very closely related point. Yesterday we began a discussion about eyes and heart and the relationship between them which led to the ultimate differentiation between the internal and the external and how they interplay we wouldn't finish the discussion because remember that the purpose of our share is to stimulate thought and not necessarily to provide glib answers we feel that there's greater value given to an unanswered question which promotes curiosity than there is to a glib answer which closes down the thought processes um, so we spoke about but what about a person that has a really painful and difficult life? So let me tell you a story that my mother told me um, about a friend that she has, who a woman who is blind. And uh, she was recently diagnosed, well, a while ago now, was diagnosed with a brain tumor. And she had to have a serious operation to have it removed. <coughs> and my mother spoke to her after the operation, and she said to her, how are you doing? She said, amazing. She says, I can't find the words to thank Hashem for my life. So, 
the reason I'm saying to you, I'm not saying that everyone relates that way, but I'm saying to you, it's possible to have where, which from an external perspective would seem like a life of misery and suffering, and to be exceptionally grateful for it. So, so how could this woman be, be grateful for such a objectively horrible life? So I think it again focuses on where you are. Are you in the world of the internal, the world of the external? And in the world of the external, pain is something that we try to avoid and people go to extreme lengths to live pain th- pain-free lives. Mm-hmm. But everyone knows at the same time through experience and intuitively that some of the most meaningful moments that they've had in their lives either have been with pain or facilitated through pain. So even though people ne- generally avoid pain, but it's not to say that pain is bad. Pain is sore. It's painful. It's not bad. It just depends. So now, let's say a person is living a painful life. So now, it depends on, on what the, the meaning of the pain is. Everyone agrees that meaningful pain can actually become pleasurable very simple and accessible way of meaningful pain is the pain that athletes endure when training it can be intense pain but there's a certain enjoyment that one gets from the pain of pushing your body to its furthest extreme until every single bone and muscle is aching and you can barely breathe and your lungs are stressed and oh my gosh that sounds I'm, 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 I'm sold I want that now it's pain but there's even emotional pain sometimes I look back at periods in my life where I, where I did have emotional pain my memories of those times aren't bad they're deep they're different they're different when a person experiences a seething pain very often he has a perception and a connection which is impossible to experience when you're in the comfort zone of pain-free existence. So you can never Khalila ever judge or sometimes you can't even counsel people that are going through suffering because who knows, who knows and we, we don't wish it upon ourselves by any means. But from an objective perspective it's possible to say that a person can be living in a, in, in a, in a, in a life where it looks to it looks to the to the uninformed observer like a life of absolute travail and tragedy and he can be overjoyed now I was astonished when I actually saw this written down in the works of the Ramchal I'm just going to quickly pop and get a a Mrs. Ashraim if you don't mind just entertaining the tape recorders in the interim I'm going to entertain it David soon I think Hello? <laughs> Who brought me back again? 
So the the Ramchal in Mesilzah Shorim writes this really strange paragraph, and it's about gratitude. Can you speak to me about gratitude, Mali? It's, it's really like it's a perfect name for football. It really is. Huh? No, isn't it like the perfect name for a footballer? Mali. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like something I definitely like you could say I could easily hear a group of school kids saying have you seen how many has been playing it's astonishing anyway <laughs> we have to move on there are people in the room that were marginally talented in other sports Alec thought he was he never was but Tucker Zach was okay mm-hmm. Alec was he tried to play basketball you have never seen such a clown on the court it was embarrassing says the Amchal. Ein lecha Adam, the Ezimas of Shemotzeh. There's no man in any situation that he may find himself. Im ani im Asher, whether he be poor or rich. Im barim choyle, whether he be well or sick. Shiloyire niflois v'toyves rabbis v'matzove. That he doesn't, he's not overflowing with goodness in his situation. So when I read this paragraph many, many years, I remember reading this when I was young and foolish. And reading through these words and thinking, oh, come on. You can't be serious. You can't be serious. And I had a really hard time understanding them. So let's go a little bit further and see. But the Ramchal starts off and says that it makes a difference really in terms of the objective situation. Anyone, whether they in destitute poverty, which means it's tough. That means they're their stomach is empty and they have hunger pans. They look around their one-roomed shed and they shiver because the winter's coming and they don't even have enough glass to put in the shattered windows to stop the, the, the wind from blowing inside. They've got one miserable old blanket that can barely keep him warm. And he's happy. And he has to speak about the great beneficent if there's such a word good that the creator gives to him it sounds absurd a person that like you said who's, who's sick he's sick he's connected to tubes and he's suffering pain he's going to be thankful for the, the immense good that the, the creator gives him I mean strange no Dems strange Pops. indeed this is in chapter 8 of the Ramchal so he starts off with things which are self-evident. The person is rich and he's healthy. Of course, then he's he's going to be thankful. He's going to feel indebted to the Creator because he's healthy and he's rich. Now, listen to this, and this is where it starts to get a bit of a short circuit. The Ani, the poor person, is, should be grateful that even in his abject poverty, he still manages to irk out some kind of, some kind of sustenance, miraculously, and Hashem doesn't let him die in hunger. Sounds crazy, doesn't it? He's about to die. Exactly, meaning he has to feel this way until he actually dies. Bizarre. Let's go into the choyle. 
על החוילה, על שמחזיקו בחייבת חוליוי, וחוילה השם cause him to still hold him in the in, even though with the the heaviness of his the weight of his of his of his afflictions and doesn't like him to die and you can derive any other application of these principles until they, you can't really find a person that has got no God doesn't have a debt of gratitude but someone that is dying sorry someone that is dying every second that he's alive he's thankful to God for not letting him die until he dies and then he's dead do <laughs> 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 you understand I'm, I'm just voicing a difficulty that I have with this I just for me there's a complete disconnect at this point in time I use my perspective so if you always focus on the negative then you're not going to be grateful but if you focus always on the positive then you be grateful if that makes sense so I, th- I think you've hit on to it I think it depends a lot on what we call probably today a sense of entitlement a sense of entitlement is one of the easiest ways to cure yourself of happiness in life the minute you have a sense of entitlement <laughs> so then it reduces your need for gratitude exceptionally Meaning, if I deserve, if the starting point is I deserve. So if I deserve to be healthy, I deserve to be well off, I deserve to be find the ideal woman that will make me happy, I deserve to have the ideal children, I deserve to live in the ideal society which is filled with peace, liberty and the right for men to govern themselves. If I deserve all these things, so then like, well, okay, now I can start to complain. Because, uh, what do you mean? I can't believe it. I, I had a cold last week. I've got a sore throat. What's with that? I deserve to be helped. I'm entitled to help. So if your starting point is there, so then it's really tough to, to experience any sense of, well, I mean, I'm entitled to the ultimate. So then it's great for complaining because there's so much stuff I don't have, but it's, it's not great for. But what happens if I'm t- entitled to absolutely nothing? What about if I have zero entitlement? But I don't deserve to live for one single second. So then you're grateful for everything. So in Chaira, it shifts your perspective. It depends where you begin. Do you begin with a sense of I deserve everything and this is not there and this doesn't and this and what about this and what about this? Or I deserve that actually every single single thing that I have in my life is not I've got no right to it. It's given to me purely as a gift. Purely as a gift. So if we start at that point in time, which I'm not, e- I'm not saying is an easy place to begin with. I mean, it's an easy place to speak about, but to actually live it, it's really tough. Especially because our culture, Western culture, has has impregnated into our mind so right. powerfully ideas of entitlement. Mm-hmm. It, it would be interesting to know how well psychologists would do if people began with this sense of zero entitlement. I mean, again, things wouldn't be that traumatic. I believe that trauma is caused, it's very much related to the expectations of what my life should look like. If my life should look, everything should be picture perfect, and I should have a, a, a handsome face, for example. I mean, can you imagine growing up as me as a youth? 
So you see how far I can take the joke with you guys and you'll go for it. So you, you feel you feel like you know you, you people get angry, people get angry with God. Why did you make me this way? Meaning, really you should have made me like I don't know, like the way I want to be. So when you have these expectations you don't, so then that creates trauma. My life should be perfect in every way. I should be healthy. I should be wealthy. I should have a great family set up. I should have, I should have, I should have, I should have, I should have. And then when it doesn't work out, then all of a sudden, oh my gosh, what's going on with me? This is really traumatic. But if I would think, I actually should have nothing. I should have nothing. Now, you actually see it. It's fascinating to see it. People who come from underprivileged, um, so-called underprivileged places. People who grew up, you often meet them in South Africa. People who are growing up in rural, rural areas. Where no one has shoes. Who's got shoes? I don't know if you've ever seen, I've seen the expression of a face when you give a person who never has shoes a pair of shoes. The look of absolute sheer delight. Oh my gosh, shoes. Shoes. I've got shoes. This is, I mean, I'm not going to wear them every day. I'm save them for special occasions. Shoes. Whoa. I've never got shoes in my life. So you understand? Because. You can be a pre- me. How do, I, how do I appreciate my shoes? What do you mean these shoes? I've, I've had them for six months. I'm wearing a new pair of shoes because these shoes are are not pointy enough for today's fashion. So they've gone slightly broader. Pixie shoes are out. I'm not saying that. It's a muscle. Um, yes, Denby, what do you want? So the question is, how does one not get clouded by Douglas? Because somebody will do work and they think oh because I've done the work therefore I deserve the outcome when the outcome doesn't come he then gets new point a new point in other words, you're right it's a related point this, this is very much built into a belief in having an imuna mm. <coughs> um, and another another avenue of imuna is how do I relate to gainful employment I get a job and now my salary is low so I'm bitter because I'm so great I should get a high salary or I get a job and my salary is high and I think well of course because I'm so amazing they should really pay me more if they knew how much it was worth so then you, you break down the cause and effect from it becomes a sense of my labor entitles me to these are really tough things I'm, I'm being honest these are like these are like really deep things to actually get a proper handle on them and not just to preach I'm fantastic when it comes to preaching I'm telling you <laughs> I can preach about business ethics till I'm blue in the face because I've never been in business you understand so easy business ethics tell me anything the difficulty of being a bocha oh, I've got it all don't speak to my own issues please that I'll avoid like the plague <laughs> So it's hard. It's hard to get our heads around the smells. It's really hard. But Lemaise, at least I'm presenting the, the possibility from a theoretical perspective of what would life look like if I was as appreciative as this. I mean, just to make it easier, imagine I grew up in a rural area where there was no running water or electricity. I never had, my, I never had first-hand <coughs> clothes. And someone gave me a brand new shirt. So now why can't I feel that way even though I grew up in an affluent area and someone gives me a brand new shirt 
how do I get to that state of pristine appreciation there really is the true state even though habit has accustomed me to expect more than I deserve so it's not easy ze local this is not easy this is not easy as I say in Hebrew but you see the Ramchal puts it across there right everyone's going to be thankful what do you mean how can I be thankful what do you mean I'm, I'm poor what do you mean that, that I should be thankful for the morsel of bread that I get no I should be living on beluga caviar I mean hello hello and then what's really interesting is the interaction we've discussed it before but the interaction between the way that media and culture creates these sense of values so now if I'm sitting in a rural Malawi so I'm, let's say I'm, I'm not exposed so my expectations are like everyone around me no one's got shoes so it's gewaldic not to have shoes the problem is with the advent of mass technology so now what happens you get the same rural kid and he doesn't have shoes and none of his friends have shoes but there's one guy in the town that has a computer ah. so one afternoon they all crowd around the screen and they watch western life and then it starts to pull at them and they start to think whoa look at all those people over there they've got and they've got and they've got and they've got and they've got so on a certain level that happens to us and that's possibly one of the reasons why Dan Bilzerian has so many followers on Instagram Dan Bilzerian he's been coming to Moses here before Rachamim knows him huh? Rachamim was the one who talked about it. Rachamim spoke about him. Dan Bilzerian is... Uh, you, you know... Yeah. Yeah. He is Oyla Magashmi, Oyla Magashmi, Oyla Magashmi, compacted into a single human being. <laughs> the entire material existence, if it could be experienced by one single person. Should I look him up? Sorry? Should no, I look him up on Instagram? It's really not him. Well, I guess it's not him, I suppose. So what is he? Post pictures of everything he owns, or he like he's, he's the kind of guy that he he posts a picture of himself on his new red Ferrari, holding two co- gold coated machine guns with two beautiful lasses on each arm. It's like that, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. everything, and the Ferrari's on his yacht okay. next to his island. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sounds like a bit of and a the way he gets history. to his island, he gets okay. airlifted by his helicopter to his mansion you got it yeah. so he's got lots of followers everyone he, like, he wants to run for president just that because that's everyone yes that's called so now you can imagine so now imagine when, when I've seen him driving his red Ferrari and now I go into my 96 Kia Rio I go oh my gosh this is so nebach but you drive your 96 Reg Rio into a Haredi neighborhood and people go, whoa, 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 look at the guy in the Cadillac. See, <laughs> 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 so again, it's all about perspective. It's how you look at it. Okay, Rabbi. So we have to, we have to, yes, further, ever further in the sugya of the internal, the external. One question from Joey before we take a break. Yes, Joey. Uh, what is like one practical step we can take in order to lower our Whoa. <laughs> Let me right now. Right now. Whoa. You want a takeaway message? You're looking for a takeaway message from the share. I mean, I mean, don't you know that that's what we're about? 
Quite simple. Quite simple. Use. I mean, there's, there's numerous ways you could do this. Default like that. <laughs> um, um, you can do a simple exercise, like give an exercise to do. Tonight before you go to sleep, take off your shoes. Go down the stairs from your apartment and run around for a few minutes all over the place without shoes on. Okay? Like try to go for places which are really stony. <laughs> try not to lacerate your feet at the same time. And feel experience what it means not to have shoes. Then go back to your apartment and look at your shoes and say, Thank you for giving me shoes. And if you want to take that even deeper, so when you say the brocha, which in the morning goes on shoes, have the barefooted experience in mind. Okay? 